Hello, this is Charles Wiz. Tony Silver. And we are Two Teachers Talking. We've been Two Teachers Talking now for 138 episodes. Today, we're going to talk about what can only be described as everyone's situation, which is crazy amounts of work with crazy amounts of classes with crazy amounts of students and somehow trying to find some way to tread water, keep our heads above water and not drown in all the work and all the issues that come with teaching lots of classes. And we're going to try to explore that a little bit today. And I don't know if we have any answers. I, I can definitely <laughs> tell you that I am. Um, I'm just going to take swimming lessons. <laughs> I think I have to learn to tread water better, Tony. For you, it's um kind of past tense. Yeah, it's all past tense. <clears throat> okay, well, that's the show for today. As usual, <laughs> we've encapsulated the whole show. Well, it's a different viewpoint, but yeah, it's all past tense. Um, yeah. But the the memory is fresh. <laughs> the scars haven't healed. <laughs> right, and you also get to see it from the outside because uh, your partner is still working. Yeah. And is kind of in the same boat that you used to be. Actually, well, in a no. different boat. Actually not. She might think so, but no. <laughs> Nobody has it as bad as I do. That's right. <clears throat> or I did. Okay, so... But it's a... But, you know, that's a... I don't know that's a valid comparison, because it's such a different time, right? So, um, here at the middle of the of 2021... Things are, you know, as we predicted back in April, things are pretty crazy. Um, and uh, the you know, listeners out there, the, the teachers, um, <laughs> in class, out of class, at home, um, don't know. <laughs> um, half and half, there's all kinds of hybrid plans and one week off, one week off plans. And uh, week on, it's kind week of a mess. Off. Week. Some people I know are doing week on, week off, yeah. week online, week in person. It's crazy. It, it is. is. It, it's crazy. It really is crazy. Yeah. I mean, my big gripe is that with five weeks to go or six weeks to go, for example, why are we changing? Olympics. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> I would never have guessed that. Oh, okay. I well, anyway, we... We're not going to talk a lot about it, but I think we just mentioned in passing that, you know, at least for me, we talked a little bit about guilt. It's um, just a little bit because I'm not because <laughs> I'm not dealing with but I I feel your pain. Uh, and uh, again, like I said, the, 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 the scars have not healed. And uh, I do very well remember and um, empathize and sympathize well, as well as I mean, not only this craziness. Uh, with COVID, but also just the uh, ordinary week to week, day to day, a grind of uh, schedules that are uh, basically impossible, right? So, and uh, interesting, for, for example, I had one school last year, uh, and I've talked about it a lot because uh, the students are really good. They're really good students. It's a good school, and the students are good. Um, but uh, you know, in the English department, the, the class that I, that I taught there was called Integrated English, uh, <laughs> which I, I talked about the interview. I was like, so it's a four skills class. No, well, we want you to teach speaking and, and listening, right? 
so then it's a four skills test. No, no, yeah, we, we went around and I learned, I learned to shut up, shut up in enough time to get the job. And, uh, I would begin the semester talking to the students and it's like, kids, <laughs> we have been charged with an impossible task. Um, you've got uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 classes a week. I, I teach 18 classes a week. Uh, at this university alone, one day a week, I have four classes. In each of my classes, there's 45 students each. The department has mandated that each of you are going to do a presentation. Stop right there. It's like 45 students. Everybody has a presentation. You guys remember your math from high school, right? How many weeks is that going to take? Okay. In addition, <laughs> every week you've got to read X number of pages. Every <laughs> Each semester you've got to write a 1,200-word, 1,500-word persuasive essay. Uh, somehow in there you work in listening and <laughs> Okay, so this is, of course, impossible. So we're just gonna we're gonna do our best, um, and like then for the the teacher's perspective, okay, so that means so it's forty five students each class. That's one hundred and eighty students. Figure one hundred and seventy because ten either are not going to do anything or they're going to disappear. But you've got whenever you make an assignment, you're going to have one hundred and seventy assignments for one of your universities. Now, if the if it takes you five minutes for each assignment, that's more than, for that one school, that's more than 14 hours a week. At the, each, each of those students has to write a paper. At the, toward the end of the semester, you're going to have 170 five-page papers to read and grade for one university. This is not possible. <laughs> and I explained that to them. And, and, and they, you know, again, they're, they're, they're good students. They kind of got it. But that's kind of what we're going to be talking about, these things that just don't work, right? And, um, you know, basic principles, one is like at the, like I just did at the, in the first day of class with the students, adjust expectations. Like, yeah, you're not going to be getting lots of individual comments from me. And you're, you're, I'm not going to be correcting your mistakes. Um, in your own planning... Make sure you adjust your goals. You know, what, what, given this kind of impossible situation, you have to, like, what can you re realistically be expected to accomplish? You and your students, right? And be a realist, realistic with your time. Um, it's, uh, kind of like the, uh, you know, I'm, again, I'm dating myself here, but I think most people know the, either the movie or the TV series MASH, right? Which is... That's uh, going back a long way, Tony. And it's going back a long way, but it's a classic. And if you don't, it's worth your while to go back and, and check it out. And MASH, it's, uh, the, the acronym is um, Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. So, you know, you're, you're, you're a well-trained surgeon. You know what to do. You know how to do everything. And, uh, you know, you're, you're uh, recruited, drafted by the Army. Yeah, you sent out to the field and... Um, the kid comes to you and he's got um, oh, you know, shrapnel in his leg. You know what to do. And you follow the procedures. You go by the book. Uh, you save the kid's leg. Uh, the scars are going to be minimal. It's great. But while you've been going by the book, treating this one leg, 
uh, there's three patients out in the hall that have died um, <laughs> because unattended because you took three hours with this kid's leg. You chop off the leg? No, of course not. <laughs> um, but you are put in again in an impossible situation where you got to make some in terms of. I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't mean to make light of war or war injuries or the people in that situation. But in terms of education, you've got to make some hard decisions. Uh, how, when, and where do you cut corners? Uh, you're not going to be able to do it the way that you would like to do it. It is impossible, and you need to kind of accept that from the get-go, that you're not going to be able to do it the way you want to do it. Hmm. So. Triage. 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 (laughs) (laughs) It's like nuclear. (laughs) Nuclear. Yeah. Nuclear triage, triage. Yeah. But, uh, By the that's, way, that's certainly about, an important first step. Well, oh, sorry, go ahead. Talking about pronunciation. You know the word assuage? Uh-huh. I always think it sounds so much better if you say assuage. <laughs> like Julian? You know, kind of like triage and triage, right? <laughs> like Julian? Assuage? <laughs> triage. I like triage. It kind of sounds more American to me. Triage. Triage. <laughs> oh, Okay. So you've basically encapsulated what every teacher learns is that the amount of work we have been given, the brief we've been given is an impossible brief given time and that alone. There's not enough time in the week for us to do what we need to do and to do it right so the question becomes, how do you manage that, right, Tony? That's the you know, question. And I think uh, one has to look at uh, lowering expectations, as you clearly point out, making things clear to students. And I think the solution to a lot of this is offloading the assessment work to the students themselves and turning that into a learning experience. Sure. You know, peer editing peer assessment and presentations, those things save a lot of time. Oh, absolutely. Right. And so there are things you can do in terms of having students participate in the evaluation, and that involves self-evaluation, but primarily learning how to evaluate others and then simply learning how to find your, your average and standard deviations in the student's grading and you can pretty much get a pretty good distribution of the grades with the students. But then the second part of that is time management. And as a subset of time management are the tools one can use to cut down on time-consuming tasks. And I'm not sure where to start. Okay. Like, well, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's start out like, well, let's first of all, let's, let's maybe clear the decks a little bit. I think now let's because, fill the decks completely with lots of detritus. <laughs> there's a, there's there's plenty of detritus here. Yeah. Oh yeah, but let's get rid of the others. <laughs> thank <laughs> you for thank you for pointing that out. Okay, go but ahead, we can please. like talk about like um, on demand classes, pretty much out of this realm, right? The other thing on demand is like the only thing that you know, if you've got like you know a, a couple of thousand students, 
perhaps. The only thing you can do is really kind of control your assignments. And, and you know, and a lot of schools ask for TA help. <laughs> um, some schools will allow you to use one of your classes for a grading session. Well, you can say there's no there's no meeting with the students. This is I'm going to be grading papers on this day. Explore those things. Other than that, on demand, it's pretty much you're on your own. So we're not going to talk about that. But uh, before we get into the details, um, this year, Charles, you find yourself with a, with a new situation where you've got this kind of volume. Have you so far found anything new, any discoveries, any things that's kind of anything that's kind of saved your life? It's like, well, I'm glad I found yeah, this. Yeah, I have. I'm glad you asked, Tony. They're called antidepressants. <laughs> <laughs> and, where, and where do you, where do you get these in Japan? <laughs> oh, I just walk into the doctor. They take one look at me after listening to me describe something. They go, like, "Okay, we know what you need." <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, I should point out that. The situation you described before about the integrated skills class right. is what I took over for you. That's right. It, it is the one so situation. So I'm I think very that's curious to see what you're doing. Right. Compared to uh, what you did. Um, the first thing is it's definitely overwhelming. Um, just these are the biggest classes I've taught in a long time. And uh, mine are not as big as yours. I have, I think, um, 40, 41, and then it goes down to something like 22 and then goes back up to 45. 22. In one period, is like very small. Nice. I'm pretty sure. Okay. And it doesn't matter because even at 30 students, right. given what – I'm supposed to do and like, you know, the, uh, you know, I'm supposed to give feedback on writing and, you know, they're supposed to do writing. Yeah. 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 You're supposed to do it all. Right. Supposed to do it all. And even so, stepping, even stepping back, like, like for this particular class, which are extremely, <laughs> that's kind of an extreme example, but most of us have been teaching oral communication classes with more than 25 or 30 students, which from the get go is impossible. Yeah. Well, it's I impossible. Don't if, I don't I don't I don't think so. I'm going to disagree with you. Oh, okay. I can t- I think it's simply a matter of using groups. Yes. A lot of pair work and a lot of group work. Anybody who you know, and oral communication, here's the thing when I've heard people talk about their oral communication classes, they have students doing a lot of exercises in the class. And I'm going to suggest that unless you're teaching really low level, you know, begin or real beginner, false beginners, the students will very much benefit from just being able to have talking time and giving them some kind of task to accomplish with each other and then putting them into groups and then letting them run. And I think I've talked about this before. And I mentioned this to my students when we're talking about how to teach, which is leave the students alone when they're practicing. You know, give the students some breathing room so that they can talk because they get nervous when the teacher's there and let them invite you in. Kind of a, sounds like the vampire thing. Mm-hmm. But 
I think even with their oral communication classes, I'm going to argue are if you use group work and pair work and a lot of group work, a lot of pair work, kind of are not so difficult to teach in the same way that like a large listening class is not that difficult to teach. If we teach it in a real traditional way where students are listening or watching different kinds of media or they're listening to something, a talk or a lecture or watching a TV show or a movie, for example, or a TED Talk or some kind of YouTube, and then they're having to practice bottom-up versus top-down listening skills. Listening classes can be large, I think. Oh, absolutely. No, that's no, the I, easiest I, yeah, one. I I, listening is, yeah. It, it's a and reading classes. Animal, and reading Ditto. classes. Ditto. Same I was thing. talking about specifically the communication. And, and I said, I would say impossible is maybe not the best word, but I'll say it's certainly not optimal. Um, and I want to just bring it up to the, the school that you and I taught together at uh, 20 years ago, <laughs> 22 years ago, um, where the classes were for a, for a brief time, um, 15 or so, 15, 12 to 15. And that environment, um, what we were able to do, again, we were able to take the shrapnel out of the leg, <laughs> um, uh, make it look pretty. Uh, we only had 15 kids in the class, um, not high level, but in that environment, uh, and you know, uh, yes, yeah, same thing, you know, you, you pairs and groups, um, for sure. But the size of the class, uh, allows the teacher to do so much more, both in both an observation, tailoring the classes, uh, addressing specific weaknesses, designing, uh, uh, assignments and tasks that fit the not only the class, not only the groups, but like individual students, all the kind of things you can do that just become impossible once the class gets to be 25 or 30 students. Well, I think the biggest difference is how much feedback a teacher can give to students in those situations. And or you have feedback, feedback to give to students, but also what they're able to observe. Which is one of the big hardest things about like being on Zoom classes, right? Because we need to address that too, because that 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 throws in a whole another spin on it. When but, you talk uh, about that, can you give an example? What you mean by being able to observe? So, for example, you if you're in a regular classroom, let's let's call it thirty students. It's not an unusual number, um, and you've got them in groups of four or five, and uh, in the classroom, you are see the class as a whole um, you can walk around you over you you can listen to basically two or three groups you know whatever they're doing at a time uh, you can immediately see which students are participating which are not which ones are <laughs> which ones are the stars which ones are struggling but if you're in a Zoom situation, you're kind of limited. You've got that big field of faces where everyone's just silent, staring at the, <laughs> staring at you, depressed, uh, <laughs> like the teacher. And um, or you put them in, you know, you put them into groups, which which are 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 the answer. But okay, they're off in groups. Um, you're looking at a blank screen, and if you visit one of the groups. Boom, Sense the, di- the, di- the dynamic <laughs> completely changes. You're, you can only see the one group and it's silent. 
Except, you know, you get lucky. Some kinds of kids will continue their conversation. What are the other groups doing? You have no idea. So you're so you're so much more limited in terms of what you're able to see, and consequently, limited in the quality of the feedback that both the quantity and the quality of the feedback that you're going to be able to give either individuals or groups or the class as a whole. I think you've pointed out the biggest disadvantage of Zoom versus a face-to-face class, right? Is that ability just to scan through the room? Sure, to read the room. I developed. I've developed over time an incredible ability to be able to hear what's going on in the back of the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you know, that's a, uh, that took a long time. And I don't know how I, I learned it, but just kind of like trying to listen to students in the back in groups. And I think you're right. The, just to be able to look around and see who have the papers in front of them, who are making eye contact, which students are speaking. And we lose that in zoom. That's the biggest disadvantage of, Zoom classes. It's a, I mean, you know, going back to the classroom. It's really pretty amazing the skills that you pick up. So, like, like for example, even even in these large classes that we're talking about with 40, 45 kids, after a certain amount of time, and a number of classes where they're in their group discussions, you recognize the voices. Mm. You're walking around. Your back is turned. You hear one of the groups, and you go. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know who that is, <laughs> and I and and you, you you listen to him, and you know that okay, yeah, he's, and maybe he's a little talking a little louder because maybe a little more aggressive, but you know, you, the pattern of his speech is like okay. Um, this the second or third time that he's misused a word or phrase, okay, that's logged. You know what gr- you know his name, you know what group he's in, and you don't get that too much in um, the Zoom classes. Though, however, I must say. That uh, in some of my better classes last year, um, when we would do like a, a total group activity where they, you know, playing a game or something, and someone's got to shout out the answer. Sometimes the students, you know, would be, obviously we'd be one of the better students. He or she would shout out the answer, and like <laughs> I didn't have to look to see who it was. Even on Zoom, I recognize her voice. Yeah, I would say that I know voices better than I know names. Uh, oh yeah, me too. Voices and faces. Yeah, I'm terrible with names. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, that, okay, so talking about an interesting thing or not an interesting thing, but just a reality, is if you have 160 students at one school, you're not going to learn names. So, but, the, but they expect you to. <laughs> They're so happy when you're doing right, but, you know, but you do. That. You remember the names. You remember the stars and you remember the, 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 the trouble. Okay, that's but that's I tell my students that you know at some point I'll always you know there'll be something will come up and I'll turn to the students and I'll say you know there's usually two reasons why a teacher knows you. <laughs> and they're like huh and I say yeah it's either because you're so exceptional that you know the teacher says huh who is that and then I say the other thing is that you've done something so wrong the teacher says who is that. <laughs> At at one of my schools, we have uh, the the rosters, and they also have pictures of the students. It's a really nice thing that they do. Well, so, I'm, I I always did that for myself. Okay, it's right. really nice if the school does it for you. I've never had that. No, yeah, well, I think there might be some privacy issues if you take a picture of students. I don't know. Anyway, but the school has their student ID pictures. You can go to the rosters and uh-huh, you, uh-huh. you click a button and it shows you student names, student numbers, etc., and their picture. 
And so what I do in my classes, this is kind of, you know, first year students, is I say, let me tell you what happens when either you do something exceptional, or you either positive or negative, right? As I say, you know, this is what you do, and you have the screen, and you kind of just really quickly show the students um, a class, and then you turn, you click the button that shows the pictures, and I say, this is what the teachers do. We immediately go here, we look for your picture, and say, ah, that person. And then, um, so there's not enough time for them to any to read anything or see anything, except that there are pictures there, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's pretty funny to watch how big their eyes go, and you do have to give up knowing their names and note taking. You know, just having notes for just writing a student's name and some shorthand. To you know, for something like okay, this student's having trouble with um, grammar, or this student, uh, you know, continue has you know has something fossilized, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and so you're kind of again, you're back to that triage, triage, triage thing. So, I've kind of given up on that in a sense. Uh, you're right about you do develop some skills and because we've only been zooming for what a year and a half and not even that mm-hmm. the those long-term deep skills for lack of a better term that you don't even know you need you don't even know what they are that develop over time have not quite yet developed yeah and i'm not sure how to solve the the breakout room problem because when you dip into the breakout rooms you're right some students will continue talking other students go quiet and the other students just stop talking because they've been speaking japanese but that's more school by school yeah it was a big difference and not not something not even school by school but just different departments Mm, different types of classes yeah Yeah, so yeah each each class has got its own it's its own unique personality so I want to kind of bring this back again to, you know, how to cope. Yeah, yeah. And you and I both use Text Expander. I want to just plug Text Expander here uh, in the sense that it's a – how would you describe it? It's just a an app that lets you make one, two keyboard designations for – different we've talked about it before oh we've talked about it many 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 times yeah. and, and uh, yeah it's a it's a shortcut generator so it allows okay. you to create uh very short it's snippets snippets that's what they, what they, that's what they call it but it's like right it's maybe like you know f- four characters right um and whatever three characters four characters five characters that you type and then when you type those four characters um the application spews out whatever you've uh, assigned that combination of characters. So you, it could be a sentence, it could be a paragraph, it could be a whole page. Um, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking more about classroom stuff, and I thought we'd talk about like the uh, the outside of class things later okay. on, but that right. fits into it. But um, <clears throat> you can, when you're, you know, for example, grading assignments, papers, whatever it might be, uh, you might have example four up maybe 10 canned responses and that you can you, you write them once and it might be quite lengthy right but 
your short when you you read the student's assignment and it's you know exceptional so you you hit like you'd say it could be just numbers right so seven one uh whatever the then the assignment july 1st essay seven one essay one seven one essay two seven one essay three seven one essay four maybe not essay maybe just e and then you type those things in. If you type seven seven one e one, boom. Then do, 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 it, it fills in the response for an excellent submission. Seven one e nine says like, what the hell is this? <laughs> How dare you submit this to me? Um, and then with everything else in between, and then you have you know the assignment was this, the assignment was this. So you did none of these things. Um, it's an incredible time saver. The reason I mention it is specifically because I use it, but in over a two-week period of time, because I gave two written assignments, you know, where students had to like submit their uh, reactions to some TED talks, and in another th- assignment, they had to work on an abstract and concrete language assignment, and I, I'm using text expander because I, you know, as you say, most responses from students will fall into like four or five levels. And I'm doing that and I've got it modified in such a way that I, you know, I've got all my keyboard shortcuts to respond to the emails, etc. And then I get the uh, (laughs) text expander will inform you about how much time you've saved, which kind of is a creepy thing in a little bit of a way. But um, I get an the email from text expander that says, hi, Charles, last month you saved 13 hours using keyboard shortcuts. (laughs) And that's an important thing to keep in mind. Even if you save four hours or three hours or five hours using some, some tool, these begin to add up. And the only reason I mentioned it is that it showed me how useful and valuable something like text expander can be when you have a lot of work and you can't afford to give you know, personalized responses. But here's the wonderful thing is I would get stuff back from students um, saying, thank you very much for the clear <laughs> explanation. And students don't know that it's a canned response. And it's in a, in a, in a lot and of you ways. Can it modify doesn't, things. It, yeah. And you can modify it after the fact. And a lot of times in fact, and it really, you know, some people might hesitate to think that's not personal. It's like, well, actually, as you said, there there's a certain number of responses that are possible. And if you craft five good responses, the actual feedback that the student gets might be better than something that you, if you're under pressure doing something quickly, and if you've got to type out each one individually, you're going to maybe not have time to address all the, the different issues or what you were saying. It's, it's nice to say, you know, you, if you're only going to write f- five responses, you can concentrate and make them good. If you've got to write 150, fill in the blank. <laughs> well, the first thing, you know, that I did is I just simply made a list of the errors. Uh-huh. And then you can make a checklist and which ones you want to put in there, right? Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. And I uh, 
think that if you the errors are reasonably common and shared. Yes. And yep. the same kinds of combinations. But here's the thing. 140 students, I'm going to write a fi- five minutes of comments is, what is that? That's um, 13, I think it's 14, 14 hours. 14 hours. To <laughs> How do I know that? <laughs> comment. Now, I can tell you that a five-minute comment is going to have to be checked right, for spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes, and did I say what I say? I'm telling you, a five-minute comment will be three sentences from me because I'm such a slow writer. So it's a time saver. I only mention it because it's one of the tools that I think can make a radical difference in a very in a fairly short amount of time, and it doesn't have a steep learning curve. Oh, it's so a must. It's it's a, it's a must-have. It's yeah, so I just happen. that's why I want to start with that. That's just yeah. the one thing I think that's going to make a big difference when you're overwhelmed with numbers of students and having to give feedback. Well, right. we'll, we'll and, get we'll get back to it again. I think because I think it's worth mentioning again. But let's uh, let's and yeah, I, I got those that that monthly email like okay. you said, like your class, your classes. Well, you set a record or something? Yeah, I was in the was? top five percent of the users in the world. <laughs> In the, in the world, world. Right? <laughs> the top five percent, and they offered you a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it was. Yeah, I use okay. it. <laughs> right. so I know about. I, wanna... I know about volume. <laughs> well, it's in this situation. It's just really, really helpful. But anyway, let's go back now and talk about having a large class. So, or a okay, class. so yeah, let's say. So, so we're, we're going to figure out how 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 to cut things back, how to save time, right? Right. So, um, a lot of this stuff is like. El- Basic, elementary, elementary, my dear but, Watson. But but you'd miss it. Don't you get one of these classes. Don't assign if if you, if it's possible. Again, like we talked about the class that um, Charles is teaching now. It's like where the you know there's a mandate from the university you have to do X, Y, and Z. But if you don't, if if it's up to you, don't assign things that take lots of time to score. Well, that's that the doesn't, default. Well, but yeah, but people don't. That's what don't most get, people do, I think. Don't ah, they? some people. I don't. But for example, especially like last year, people were always like, like all like on. Um, they would assign you know students to make videos and submit the videos. Like on, is it Flipgrid? Flip, flip, flip. Yeah, Flipgrid. Flipgrid. It's like, no. If you got thirty kids and they're all making a video, then you've got to sit there and watch. 30 videos and then write comments? No. <laughs> Don't say, or, or like, like, for example, you know, any kind of like, like or, or and I, I, I know I've done this, but not for big classes uh, where students, or, or they will be groups. We talked about groups already, really, 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 really utilize groups, whether it's practice in class, whether it's assignments, um, whether it's, you know, comprehension checks. Whatever it is, groups, 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 groups. Let them teach each other. Uh, valuable, valuable resource. But whenever you're making an assignment, when you've got these kinds of big classes and big numbers, be very cognizant of how much time it's going to take you to grade and score those things. It might save you time in the classroom. It's going to bury you with paperwork outside of the classroom. And just like the groups in class... Peer evaluation, you know, as Charles mentioned, encourage and foster out of class 
communication among the students, whether encourage them to find to form their own groups, like in line, or you yourself in your own classroom, because you know, everybody's got Zoom, um, assign groups. It's like, okay, you know, you guys, not necessarily for an assignment that they're going to submit, but some kind of preparation for the other class, something that'll be checked in class, maybe checked in class by other students. Again, what you're trying to do is get the students to do as much practice, as much work, as much learning without it taking you extra time, right? Um, that is, a, I think, a, a, a real big time saver. But, but again, just be kind of when you make an assignment, think about how you're going to score it, how you're going to give your feedback to the student. Don't bury yourself. Yeah, I want to go back to the flip grid. Okay. Thing. Um, I think a lot of people did that. I huh. thought that's something really, I, <laughs> I thought it was really fascinating, is I, I doubled the playback speed on all the flip grid videos uh-huh. I got. That's one thing you can do. And here's the amazing sure. thing is I doubled the speed and my students seemed fluent. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really interesting. I doubled uh, the speed. So there's that. And there's also another thing you can do with Flipgrid, which is uh, you can get the transcript of the talk. And I forgot exactly how I did this, but I was able to paste in – you can get a, an Excel spreadsheet, I think, from Flipgrid. My memory is really foggy because I stopped using Flipgrid once um, I didn't have to do on-demand classes. I could go to -to face-to-face. But you can export the transcripts of the students talking, their videos, and then you can put that into a spreadsheet. And then there's a formula that will actually count the number of words in each cell. Mm -hmm. And... I was able to just, you know, give, uh, you know, like a zero one kind of score, you know, students got, you know, a minimum score, let's say a five for submitting. And if they were above a certain range or in between a certain range of words, they got seven and versus 10. Because what I found out was that some students would make like three minute videos. Some students would make like one minute videos. And there basically seemed a pretty good correlation between the length and quality. So that was one way to get around it. Again, that's a tech solution to a real-world problem. But as you pointed out, Tony, if you've chosen to do Flipgrid and watch videos somehow, you've given yourself an incredible amount of work. It's not the most efficient task to give students in terms of the amount of time required by the instructor to evaluate or assess. Right. And with Flipgrid, so you kind of have to maybe change your thinking a bit. Instead, say, okay, students have to post responses to three other students. There you go. And I just have to count if they did or did not respond. And that's what I also did after I realized, oh, wait a second. The responses that students make to other students are more important than the primary videos in my mind. And when you're doing something like that, not only are the students producing their own, but they're also looking at and evaluating others and learning from that. Exactly, exactly. So that's the other way to go about it. But the idea is you might want to assign something and see how it works before you turn it into an assessment instrument. Yeah. So... To see that, if it's practical and working. Right. And so the idea like would a, have been a test flight, find right. mistakes, right? Right. Pilot test it. 
within the class and just say, okay, let's see how Flipgrid works. Everybody make a one-minute video. And then you start going through, and after about watching 21-minute videos, and you think, wait a second, I have another two hours of this to go. Hmm, this might not be how I want to spend my time. So that's one thing. But I want to go back to something else you said about having the students meet outside of class. Mm-hmm. Because Zoom really allows that to happen. Sure. The problem with that, of course, is whether or not the students do it. So I got some feedback from students. I gave an ass- I had given a writing assignment. So in the same uh, class that you know integrated skills class we're talking about, I gave the first writing assignment, which was, or always in all my writing classes, is for students to describe their room or their apartment. And it's an exercise in concrete language and just taking out adjectives and learning how to be precise. So students will say, I have a nice room. It's a five-minute walk to the station. I have a very nice table. There's a a, a jewelry box or a, a something or other on the desk that my parents gave me, and I have to correct students. You can see where this is going, I think. To correct students, say, no, I asked you for a description of your room. How big is it? How, you know, what's the size of the table? What's the material of the table? Take out all your value judgments. Take out any unnecessary information. And what I do is, um, I've done in this semester is tell students that they have to get together with their groups. I form peer editing groups in the class. They edit their room descriptions. And I say, okay, it's due on, let's say, Monday. Make sure you share your room description with your group members and have peer editing. And I get feedback that roughly half the students did it and half the students did not. So it's one of those examples where students will make use of the opportunities or will not, depending on their motivation. But that's how I think it's one possible way to use Zoom in okay, a Okay, so just to get spe- just specific, right? We're just talking about that assignment, and I was just brainstorming as listening to it. So, like, again, like specifics that people can think about and use and streamlining for big classes, right? So that assignment, um, again, my I thought, just like right now, um, instead of describing your own room, take a photograph, take a picture of your own room. Send it to your partner, your your student. The other student has to write a description of that room. That description gets posted on a Google form, shared by everybody. Everybody can read all the descriptions. And then the teacher at the other room sees the name of the writer, of, of the describer, the person whose room it is, and then there's the description there. And we use your idea about length being an arbiter of, of quality. Bum, 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 bum. There's your grade. Well, there's, you know, now that, you know, you mentioned that, again, this is always proof why two heads are better than one and why yeah. I love talking with other teachers is what you could do is you could have the students write a description of their room and post a picture, and you put that into Google Forms, and you put like 10 descriptions and 10 pictures up, and students have to match the description to the picture. Hmm. And if there's 10 students matching your picture to your description, 
You just have to count how many students accurately match the description to the picture. So 10 would be a perfect score. Zero would be a bottom score. Cool. That would be an interesting way to do it. But again, that's – I just want to segue here on something. I think what's happened a lot with the Zoom teaching, the online teaching, the on-demand teaching is there's less talking with other teachers. And you know how you'd sit around in the teacher's room and somebody would say something and somebody else would say something and you go, whoa, I never thought of that. That's been missing from my life for like the last year and a half is hearing other people's ideas at lunchtime. But of course, I'm kind of, you know, uh, what should I say? I don't spend that much time in teachers' rooms. I, know, I said I've been avoiding teachers' rooms for about twenty years. But now. I think you know. Well, okay, let's go back to twenty years ago to that school where we worked together. Okay, yeah. and remember how at lunchtime all the teachers sat together. Oh yeah, yeah. And there was that incredible. Remember, everybody was just yeah. It was a great exchange ideas. of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, I was teaching at a school in Tokyo, and all the teacher, we would have like a bunch of teachers who would just hang together before classes and in between classes. And there's a lot of exchange of ideas. So that's something I just am missing. Um, So what about going to the idea of how we can use Zoom as a means of decreasing our work? And I think, Tony, you've talked about uh, ending classes 10 minutes early. Absolutely. So that's one idea. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. This was was something that... um, Started before Zoom, one of the universities where I was working, um, where the coordinator encouraged us <clears throat> to end classes ten minutes early to allow for students' questions. Because as we all know, you end, you know you ask you know, you get to the toward the end of the class. Are there any questions? Are there any questions? Are there any questions? What are your questions? Silence. Okay, okay, class is finished. You got three kids in front of the classroom. Say, like, teacher, I have a question. It's like, oh man. And then, okay, then it's like, okay, now. Yeah, why are you taking, I I asked you, I asked if there were any questions. And this is something that I forgot that I should have told. And I need to go to the restroom. (laughs) So, um, yes, uh, feel no guilt about uh, shortening your class 10 minutes to allow time for student questions, for them to, you know, for discussion with the teacher, discussion with each other. And you talked about uh, utilizing Zoom. Um, for that period, you might want to open it up and let the students choose their own breakout rooms. Um, and, and I, you know, me, I trust my students, trusted my students. Um, I would often let them do that just in their regular classrooms rather than like have it random. It's okay. It's like, you know, here's, here's 20 rooms, um, you know, decide who you want to be with and go choose a room and Move yourselves around and do whatever you want to do, whether you do it in class or at last. But yes, um, ending the class early and allowing for that free discussion time, especially especially this last year uh, and, well, the last year and, and this year where, you know, the students don't have a chance to socialize and things, <clears throat> for them to have with their classmates that little bit of time for a little bit of social interaction um, and again, whether they're talking about class, whether they're talking about anything else, uh, uh, I think that is uh, a real Im- important thing to do. Um, you might also consider, it, you know, if you're going to implement something like that, to um, 
uh, early on in the in this semester, uh, think of some some kind of some conduit for feedback. So the students get together and you know they say, "What the hell was he talking about? I have no idea." It's like, <laughs> if, if, they, if they got a, a problem with something, like, or what are we supposed to do for next week? To have some easy, unthreatening way for them to get that back to you, so that you can explain it, and you can maybe send maybe an e- a message or an email to the to the class as a whole, reiterating what the assignment was and explaining anything that was unclear to them. Because if it's unclear to three kids, it's unclear to everybody. Uh, and it gives you a chance to catch up and, and, and get that information out to them. This is very true. That's one of the reasons why the students, first thing in a class, any class, but especially with the Zoom classes, breakout rooms, review. And they know what the review questions are, right? Right. What did we do last week? What were the key points you were supposed to learn? What did you learn what was the homework? What were you supposed to do? What did you not understand? And how can you use this in other classes or in your life? And you end it that way. you know. And I've begun to give an explanation for a task. And then I put students into breakout rooms. I say, you have two minutes. Make sure everybody understands Check what your to understanding. Do. Yep. 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 Make check with each other. It saves so much headache. Japanese <laughs> is okay in this situation. Save so much then headache. Come back out. And yeah. that has been an incredible time saver. Yeah. Very wise. Very wise. Very and wise. at that point, if somebody says, I don't understand what to do, then you kind of say, Well, what did you do in the breakout <laughs> session? And it puts the onus onto the students, but it also helps them. I have a, a friend, Mike, who describes this as the dojo way of teaching. And he's talking about how in a dojo, right, the students are helping each other to understand what the sensei has said. I think that goes back. Tony, you used to study karate, right? Yes. And that's, I think, what happened is the teacher would explain something, demonstrate it, and then you'd be working with people and they'd be helping you learn, explaining. If you said, hey, I didn't quite understand what's the next move, someone would help you. And that falls into a very Japanese student pattern of I'm not going to ask the teacher questions, but I'll ask the students questions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And honestly, no matter what you do, it's, um, (laughs) it's an impossible situation. I always ask students, okay, I've explained something. I talk for two, three minutes. I stop. I say, think about what I've said. Now, does anyone have any questions? I need to know if you have questions, please tell me. And I do this all the time, and I ask students to, you know, do you have any questions? Do you understand this? To go through a checklist of things. And then, you know, whenever I do evaluations, especially like the midterm evaluation, I ask the students to give me feedback about my teaching. And I'll say something like, you know, um, do I encourage you to ask questions? And it's amazing that (laughs) I think I should be getting 100%. Uh And there's 30% of the students will say, I don't encourage them to ask questions. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah, well, that's like, um, I'm, I'm segueing again here, but I did this the other day, and I did a midterm assessment, and then I asked students for feedback. And in one of my classes, one of the students said, I think you're scary. And then the next student said, thank you for teaching us in such a kind manner. <laughs> 
And it's funny in the sense that it shows how you can be perceived so differently by students. And we have no, I have no idea how a student would think I was scary and another one would think that I was being super kind or kind. And it's just one of those interesting things about how students perceive things, but it goes back to the feedback idea and you, you know, taking something like zoom, which has an incredible amount of disadvantages, but on the other hand, it has lots of advantages. And I found one of the really good things, uh, if I hope you don't mind, if I go on run with this, go, go, which is I now do office hours. You know, like, for example, Thursday, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, I'll do office hours for the integrated skills classes, all four skills. And I say, come in if you have a question. Come in if you want to talk to other students. And students will come into the office hours. And I'm getting about 8 to 10 students every time or so, 6 to 8, so 6 to 10, depending. And I'll say, are you here for a question or are you here for talking to other students? Just want to speak English. And they'll say, speak English. They go into the breakout room. And then the other students can ask me questions. And I'm finding that's, you know, that's a really good way because a lot of times students won't show up for office hours. Sure. And I'm just in front of my computer and the student will ask a question and I can answer that question faster than I can respond to an email. Yeah, it's it's an email. You don't need to worry. You don't need to right. Write. So I've actually started telling students, don't email me the question. If you can, ask it in the office hour. And I'm now thinking of splitting my office hours from one hour for like you know the class. So for example, Monday classes, I'd have an office hour on Monday. Tuesday classes, an office hour on Tuesday. Let's say or Thursday. I'm now thinking that what I really should do is the Monday class should have a half-hour office hour and then, like, Thursday a half-hour office hour. So if any questions have come up over the, the, you know, the three days after the class. But I'm going to guess that that hour of office hours saves me a lot of email time. Yeah, I bet. I bet, yeah, that would be very effective. Yeah, so that's just something... Students could do the other thing, though. Students don't realize is that they can make Zoom sessions by themselves. Right. That's what I said to you know encourage right. them to do that outside of yeah. Class. But you have to demonstrate that to them. Yes. And you have to explicitly point it out that hey, you guys can communicate with each other. You can you can start a Zoom session. It's not just the teacher who can start. A lot of them don't know that. Yeah, I don't know. Last year, a lot, a lot of kids figured it out really? without me. <laughs> it was like, well, it was like, I think. I, I, I started, you know, after we I felt they were comfortable with it, I tried to teach them. They go, oh, yeah, yeah, we know. <laughs> we do this all the time. Go, oh, really? Okay, good. I asked my you. students whether they did that, and that's interesting. They said they did not. <clears throat> so, yeah, so I anyway, well, just tell them, tell them. And in addition, yeah. you know, office hours and things, you can also, um, for yourself, you know, to, change, to change your pace. Again, talking about teachers with, like, incredible workloads. Um Give the students a longer assignment, which is easy to score, um, but then use the class time instead of for regular classes um, for either one-to-one sessions or small group sessions with your students, right? So assign just like you know, 90 minutes, um, maybe you know, five groups of you know, two or three uh, where you can meet and talk to the students. And again, we talked about that idea of um, 
getting those students' names or making it a little bit more personal somehow or another. And then that's like a few weeks where you don't have student assignments to grade. You may get with that big one at the end, but uh, again, if you make it easy to score, uh, it's not that bad. But uh, a lot of people are going to be uh, uh, back in class or already are back in class. Um, and uh, I think it's usual to point out that you can use a lot of the things that uh, we, we picked up teaching online. Um, use it, go back to the classroom, right? Use some of these um, digital tools that we've had to use uh, in, the, in the last 18 months. Uh, use them in our regular classes to, to make our jobs a little bit easier, right? So instead of like, you know, writing things on the, the kids are, the kids are all now more, much more computer literate than they were, right? So instead of writing on a whiteboard, you know, project your screen, share your screen. Um, their kids are used now to having, um, their tablets or their, or, or their laptops in class. So, Use that instead of a whiteboard. Um, PDFs instead of photocopies. I just stand in front of the damn machine, wait for it to make 180 copies. How many pages? Shoot them a PDF. It saves you lots of time, lots of effort, hygiene, etc., etc., etc. And I can't uh, believe that people would be giving <laughs> handouts. Yeah, well, watch. Watch and see. Well, I saw that at one school on the first day. Yes. Yeah, we, yeah. You're going to see it, and you go back to the classroom. To it's like they, they don't. They never think beyond that. They're going to be handing out paper. Yeah. Um, and uh, as, as as Charles, as you said, you talked about the Zoom classes outside of class. Um, just because your your classes are face to face doesn't mean you can't still use. They can't use Zoom to collaborate with each other outside of class. Um, make it easier for them and make it more common and make it. You know, more friction-free. All those, all those things are um, uh, very, very useful. Whether your, you know, your classes themselves are on Zoom or um, in the classroom. But uh, we're running a little bit long. But I, I got like you know some ideas about um, outside of class, right? So we were talked about text expander, right? And I mentioned that again because that is maybe. Outside of the class, that's the, maybe the one thing. It's just well, that would be such the a one thing. Yes, it's so if powerful. You're only going to do one thing, and it's more than just that shortcut thing. It's it's once you learn it, it's extremely powerful. Um, yes. Each of those snippets that we talked about, I mean, they are very customizable. You can go through. You can have a general message and choose um, different parts of it to include or to not include. Uh, it's a it's a it's a really excellent tool. Just a quick aside, Tony. The other advantage of using Text Expander to come up with those comments is that you really have to think through your comments. And yes, yes. it really clarified my grading quite a bit. Mm. Because I was write, writing different kinds of comments for students and my grades had variations. And what happens is you have to decide which of those comments you're going to use. And you, I found myself reading through my comments consistently. Mm-hmm. And saying, ah, okay, here. So that's I need. To, I need to fix this. Yeah, I need to fix yeah. this. Go ahead. So yeah, it really, sh- it really out. sharpens you, right? Yes. Um, just we talked about um, the text expander, all other kinds of automations, right? Whether it's part of your school's LMS, um, Google Sheets, do- spreadsheets, you know, documents, whatever, 
Um, Charles, you and I both have used the Socrative online testing mm-hmm. uh, site, which, you know, you give the students, you know, here's, here's the URL, they click the URL, they take the quiz, you have the students' names, they have, you have the scores, boom, you're done. Um, automate whatever you can. Um, we've had whole episodes on spreadsheets. There's no reason why not to be using that. Um, iteration, keep refining your system. Um, we just talk about like refining the snippets and, and with that, but whatever it is, whether it's submission procedures, um, whether it's, uh, the actual, you know, the form that you're using, um, uh, small things about, um, how students submit work, et cetera, et cetera. Whenever you come up against, uh, come up against a friction point, okay, how can you make that smoother? How can you make it easier? How can you make it more efficient? Something really obvious, um, but maybe not so easy. But I know some people that got into real trouble last year. So we talked about uh, Flipgrid, right? Student, the teacher had a lot of students, had a lot of classes, um, was doing Zoom, was not comfortable with the Zoom, assigned Flipgrid assignments. He, she didn't look at the Flipgrid uh, submissions until January. <laughs> How many? How many submissions? <sighs> I don't. Or know. how many assignments? How many flip assignments? I don't assignments? know. I don't know. But it was awful. It was. It this person awful. had the worst January in history. It was awful. It had to have been awful. Um, so yeah, <laughs> don't get behind because um, it doesn't get easier, right? It doesn't let up. It doesn't let up at the end of the semester. It's it. We, we, once that semester hits, um, at least in the in the fall semester, you do have like the the winter break. Um, uh, if you don't have anything else to do, just sit there and, 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 and go over student assignments. But damn, uh, don't, don't let yourself get behind. If you're, if you're falling behind, you're doing it wrong. Figure out what you're doing wrong and fix it so that you can keep up with what you're doing. Right. And that's if doing... you're getting behind, something is wrong. Okay. You're gonna, but that... It's, it's going to catch you. It's going to catch you at the end. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was interrupting you. No, no. Um, if, and that doing something wrong might not be that you're doing something wrong. It might mean that you're not doing something or you're not using some resource that you could. And I think that's important that, you know, you... All different kind of possibilities, yeah. Right. But I'm just saying that sometimes you think, oh, okay, I'm not doing this right. It might be a better question to say, what is out there that could help me? Yeah, what's causing this to happen? So I just want to... We're going over a little bit, but I want to point out something that has just saved me an incredible amount of time. And I've cool. talked about this before. My student assigned numbering system, uh-huh, uh-huh. where you know my first class of the week is A, my next class is B, C, D, E. And every student, depending on their position in the roster, gets a number. So it's like A1, A01, A010, or A08, A10 you know, D31, E42, et cetera, okay? Mm-hmm. The reason I mention that is that I teach my students how to write an email to me, and they have to put that A, B, C, that assigned student number, let's say, into a their subject line, and they have to use it for their assignments I never if a student just gives me a student number or doesn't tell me what class they're in or I can always know right away from that assigned number. 
And that saves a lot of time. So think about it, right? A student just says, C26, I immediately know, oh, that's my third period or my fourth period class on Monday. There's a lot of time to be saved with that. Small thing, but adds up over time. Yep. yep. And it's a small tweak. But the advantage of that, by the way, is that, and I, I thought about it because you mentioned Socrative, that some schools don't want their stu- students using student numbers on outside of the school. And so that gets away, that gets me past that system. If I want to use Google Forms at a school that doesn't want students to put student numbers on Google Forms, no problem. It's all solved. So it's just, there are lots of little things one can do. You're right, Tony. And I just wanted to mention my system again, because I think it's a pretty good system. Yes. And uh, uh, yeah, I agree. Um it, it, it's an extra step getting them to learn it, but once they've learned it, it's much easier. It takes for you. two two weeks, two weeks, yeah, two lessons, and they get it. And um, the, the other thing is that, like, if you can avoid email, that's also good too. So, for if, for example, you can have the students submit their work, even if it's longer, if it's a longer form thing, like even if it's like several paragraphs on Google Forms, uh, that makes it much much easier to 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 grade and to respond because in the Google Form you have. The name, the student number, or not, as as as, as you want, um, but also their email address. So and it's just it's just a spreadsheet that you're looking at, and then in the one field they've got the their assignment, blah 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 blah, bang, you hit their email address, either it, uh, it their a blank email message comes up. You use Text Expander, bam 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 fills in the spots. You hit the code for whatever grade you want to give them. You hit send next. Next, next. Um, I I was able to grade like classes of. I'll be with you. This was not your school; it was another school. Um, uh, Twenty-five to thirty students. I could do all their uh, their essays in thirty to forty-five minutes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> bang. And so yeah, you, it just yeah, very very quick. Sorry, I. <laughs> We're, we're over, and I want to get I know, and we're rushing. Yeah, yeah, go. Yeah, I'm really rushing, so apologies here. If you don't know your keyboard shortcuts yet, learn them. Mm-hmm. Like, Good. Especially for email now. Um, it's ama- with, key, um, with Text Expander, I, I've gotten to a point where, you know, down arrow, hit the enter key, the email opens up, command Y opens up the attachment for a quick view. I look at it, I can get a basic idea. I then have to just click command R and that creates a, or command Y to close the attachment, quick look, command R, reply, use a text expander to use the snippet I want and then it's command D, right? Yes. Command shift D. I believe. and my, my fingers know, I don't know. Right. In other words, yeah, my <laughs> fingers know it. It's command shifty, I think. And the point is that you really don't want to take your hands off the keyboard and use the mouse because anytime you do that, you're losing time. And, so, and you, yeah, and you think it's like, that's only two seconds. Multiply that times all your, it's, okay, it yeah, all watch. adds up 140, 140 emails, right? And times two seconds is 280 seconds, you're already at what? You're almost five minutes, right? Yeah. No, no, wait. Four, four minutes. Four minutes. Four and a half minutes. 
four and a half minutes, really, right? Like my daughter, I don't like math. <laughs> <laughs> but it adds the, up. It adds up. Little things, the, yeah, right? Little things. Yeah. It's you know, it's like when you you look at your 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 expenses and you realize that every month you have like forty five thousand yen of two hundred yen expenses. Right, you know, there's a coffee here, a drink here. Oh, there are all these ride. damn software subscriptions, right? Oh, wait, that's a totally different story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that it's not just a matter of solving the big problems. Shaving a few minutes here and a few minutes there and a few minutes there will suddenly save you easily an hour a week. Yeah. And yeah, the yeah. other thing I just wanted to mention about uh, getting behind on grading. I found out that it's worthwhile, it's worth it to me to wake up an hour early to do my grading. Uh-huh. And I find that I'm grading when I'm fresh, not when I'm tired. <laughs> I think my grades are better. The students get better grades when I'm fresh than when I'm tired. But systems think through um, email subject lines. I know you and I are very different about this. Mm-hmm. But I found out that I can sort my students' emails by using uh, the plus sign in in Gmail, Mm -hmm. sort the email. I can put them into folders really easily. Just like lots of little things. And you don't have to be techie to do these things. It's just learning something. But I'm going to stop now because we've gone over, Tony. Yeah, I got got maybe two. So I'm just going to be quiet for the rest of the the cast. That's so nice, isn't it, of me to to do that? Yeah, sweet. Thank you. All the the listeners are going, (laughs) yay. So anyway, um, uh, most people stu- imposed uh, have an LMS system imposed on them. Um, whatever it is, whether it's good or whether it's bad, um, take the time to learn it. Um, it may not be as awful as it might seem. It might it might be, um, but there are better ways to do things and there are worse ways to do things whichever one you're straddled with figure it out save yourself some time and when you're working with it um this is a this is a big one um especially working with an lms or any kind of online web form or like whether it doesn't matter like like for example i was talking about google sheets right um get out of the habit of typing directly into the LMS or the Google Sheets. Find yourself a, a stupid, simple text editor that you like. Text editor. It's like a word processing program with without anything, with no features. Just stupid, simple, fast. Type into that. You'll never lose it. You can edit it. <laughs> There's no wrong keys to hit. And then when you have the product that you want, copy and paste it into the LMS, into the Google Spreadsheets. Um, Why? Because (laughs) we've all had this happen. You know why. You know why. I know why. You're working on it. You're typing. I've never had this happen This this thing, blah, blah, blah. You type, 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 type. And as you hit a bump, and it's all gone. It's like... But that's just good practice for... I mean, it just saves you that headache of... I'm going to redo that over again. Um, again, also another, if you have like things that you're doing all the time, again, Text Expander will also help you from making those kinds of mistakes. 
and uh, you know, we've done like uh, um, uh, uh, episodes on this. Let's talk about lifesavers, backup, 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 back. However you do it, backup, cloud, external hard drive, uh, you know, whatever it might be. Um, whether it's short-term things like you know, your comments for students, um, certainly your grades, certainly your tenants, any kind of student records. If you don't have at least three copies, you're a fool. Uh, the, 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 if you just lose it, it's you. you Can you explain it. those three copies? Why you would have three copies and how they're different? Um, because uh, some of them, one or two or more of them, will are very likely at some point to go bad. Okay, but one should be. The, well, the copy on, that's you're working on, your whatever device you're working on, right. like your okay, PC. So it's on the device you're there's using. There's one. Then you have one, preferably like live, pretty much in the cloud. Now, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's Apple, whether it's Dropbox, pretty much constant monitoring of what you're doing, and it's syncing and copying to the cloud there. And then you want to have um, some kind of periodic backup of whatever – of your critical work, or I would suggest your whole system, on some physical device. So, uh, for example, an external hard drive attached to your PC. So you've got the the copy that's on the PC. You've got a copy that's in the cloud. Whether it's you know, again Apple, and there are other services that like do a complete backup service of your whole computer, and that's fine too. And then some periodic background to some hard physical device. Uh, either at your location in your home, or you know, some people like you know, in your office, right? So you know, when you plug in, go to work, plug in your computer in your office, it backs up to the hard drive in your office. So you've always got at least three copies. When I was teaching, I had five, and that's not too many, because what I did was important. It's student work. And well, there are two kinds of people in the world: those who have lost data. And those who will. And I've got a good story, but it's not for today. <laughs> okay. All right. And I just want to riff on that a little bit, is that you were talking about using a text editor. Mm-hmm. And there are certain writing apps that autosave all the time. Most do now. Does, um, does I, Microsoft I think both Word do that? I think Word, if you have a, a 360 Microsoft 365 account, I think Word backs up live. Because okay, I, I know the one that we use. Both of us use Ulysses. And Pages use live. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and there's yeah, the yeah, live, backups live backups. And, yeah. or, I think, I think they Word have does versioning, well. too. If okay. you get the Microsoft 365, which I think you have to do now, you have to subscribe, you get the online thing, and I think it, it, I think it backs up automatically. So too. it's making it's saving your documents while you're typing? Yes, Right. So, okay. Do so you want that. another one? Okay. <laughs> okay. What? Anything else you want to add, Tony? Unless you want to trust Microsoft or Apple with everything, I think no. <laughs> I think they're good. Yeah, they're both pretty good at it. But do you want to trust? No, I, I want my own copy too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I and think other, we're done. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to hold off on any other suggestions I have since we've gone over. Well, but you got something good? It'll save somebody some time. I have a lot of things. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. But, well, I guess it was a good topic then, huh? Okay. I think the the thing you said about getting in the habit of writing on your computer before you upload something to the web, yeah. especially the LMS, because I don't know how many times I've like 
typed stuff into the LMS, and then I've Ugh. clicked save, and it says, you have been logged out because lack of activity. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened to you, has it, Tony? No. Yeah, right. Uh, no, it hasn't, because I don't do that. <laughs> right. So everybody I okay, so you're the only person who hasn't done that. But that's the reason to do it also, is that systems will log you out because they don't consider typing, right? Into, yeah, until you hit enter, it's not into activity. the field, until you hit submit or enter or save, yeah. whatever. Because the, to them, it's no activity. You're right, so exactly. They don't know that, that it's happening. Be careful about that. <sighs> the last thing um, I'll just add is... Even if you don't like tech, it's worth, you know, going online and saying, what's the best text editor for teachers? What's the best spreadsheet? What's the best backup service? Uh, that will save you a lot of time because if you don't want to go exploring these things and trying different things out, you can do that. And a website I found that has some really good recommendations is a Zapier Z-A-P-I-E-R, which is a kind of a techie thing. It is, um, connects apps across the – for your own apps to different kinds of uh, events and triggers. But they have really nice reviews of things. You know, They'll say, like, what's the best time management software apps or what's the best uh, task you know, project planning stuff. They have very good reviews. So and that's a good site to go to. Yeah, and if you're lazy <laughs> – you already have these on your machine already. Like if you get a Windows machine, Notepad uh, is uh, is totally satisfactory, and on a Mac, a Text Edit, right? They work fine. They'll you don't do need to look for anything. No it's already, extra money needed. It's already there. Yeah. Okay. I think we're set. Yeah. Might be the longest uh, cast in a while. In a while, yeah. We've been we've been, we've been pretty good about keeping them around an hour, but um, again, a lot of stuff, right? It's a lot of stuff. Whew. Speaking of which, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do after this guest. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. I guess well, you're going to do some grading, it. right? Grading and planning and putting what stuff What day is Sunday, huh? Okay, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> my, you forget? My, my, my daughter <laughs> did point out to me, and she, you know, she just said, you know, she goes, Dad, you know, you don't take any days off. Well... That's how I remember I that. Said, well, think about it when you say you want to become a teacher or an educator. Okay. So true. So, so, true, so true. Let's close this off. I'm Charles yeah. Wiz. Tony Silver. We're two teachers talking and two teachers talking at gmail.com and everywhere else is et cetera, et cetera. At, or two teachers talking at et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there we this go. This was episode 138. And Tony, thanks a lot. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, and uh, good luck to everybody out there. Yeah, good luck, everyone. Bye.